you were a child in the 80s, or had a child in the 80s, you might remember the cartoon Scooby-Doo. Remember them? It's a great, great cartoon, classic. At the end of any episode of Scooby-Doo, the gang would finally catch whatever monster had been tormenting the community, and they would pull the monster mask off of the head of the monster, and you would see that all along, this monster that had been tormenting the community was just a regular person with dark intentions, a business person with selfish ambition, or a local corrupt mayor, or an evil history teacher, or some such thing. But it was never a monster. It was always someone normal doing a monstrous thing with a mask on. The idea was that there was more to people than what met the eye. There was a subtext to each person that's hidden in their normal life, their normal persona. Of course, in Scooby-Doo, all these people were evil somehow, secretly evil, but it's compelling to think that there is more to everyone we meet than meets the eye. More than their persona, more than what they present to the world. Today is a perfect day to talk about these things as it is Transfiguration Sunday, the ultimate mountaintop experience before we descend into the Valley of Lent. It is the Sunday where we celebrate Jesus showing his sparkly divinity on the outside and then becoming dull again, like getting his human rat mask ripped off for a few moments before putting it back on, seeing another dimension of him. We also remember on this day the way that Elijah was taken up into heaven on a fiery chariot with fiery horses, revealing truly his power as a prophet and his favor with God. These intense moments of revelation are both otherworldly and mysterious. I feel like they give us more questions than answers about who these folk were. We get this glimpse of something more and then the same again. But Transfiguration Sunday, much like the entirety of the kingdom of God and our faith walk as Christians, is an invitation to mystery not all the answers. So, this morning, I invite you to put yourself in the shoes of those who saw these incredible heroes <clears throat> of the faith, Elijah and Moses, and Jesus, God become flesh, for their true, incredible, shining selves for a moment. Try to put yourself in Elisha's shoes first on that fiery day. He was not just an apprentice, but a son to Elijah. His request for a double portion of Elijah's spirit actually referenced the inheritance typically reserved for a firstborn son. So, so that, that question and, and Elijah granting that to him, if he's willing to go to the end with him, was really the subtext of that was, will you really make it official and be my dad? And Elijah embracing that and saying, yes, my son, if you walk to me to the, with me to the end, I will. I, lost, I have lost a father, and I know how painful it is. And Elijah, Elisha getting that inheritance probably paled 
in comparison to his grief over losing Elijah. And so I wonder, did seeing these flaming horses carrying this flaming chariot, did it lessen his pain at all? Did that glimpse of the power of God make a difference? Does it make a difference to us? Meanwhile, in our gospel, Jesus took Peter, James, and John for a little hike and ended up showing them a different side of himself. And the way that the disciples responded, oh, we don't know what to do. Maybe we should make habitations for you all up here. And this text says they were terrified, shows that they were both afraid and drawn to this moment. It was a kind of can't-look-away scenario. Jesus was revealed for being something that their minds could not comprehend and their hearts had only dared to dream about. And then God spoke out of the clouds. Elijah, Elijah and Moses were there, and it was truly bizarre and fantastic. What must Peter, James, and John have felt? These guys who had given up all they knew to follow Jesus. These guys who had hoped, hoped so much that they followed him, that Jesus was the one, the one that the world was waiting on. It must have been thrilling and incredible, albeit terrifying, for them to see him transfigured and then have been such a letdown and a bummer to have him look regular again. Not to mention for him to have the audacity to tell them, not to mention what had happened to anyone else and not even allow them to create some kind of memorial for that incredible moment. These events were big and they were dramatic, but they also just revealed something true about these two, Elijah and Jesus. They did not change, essentially, Jesus and Elijah, these glimpses of this incredible, mysterious glory, there is a difference between transformation and transfiguration. Transformation speaks to change from the inside out that is permanent. Transfiguration speaks to a change on the outside that simply shows another dimension of what is. Jesus' transfiguration and Elijah's grand entrance into heaven were not permanent changes. They were just a glimpse into the something more that was already there, a window into heaven. We are so limited in our vision. There is so much more all around us that we almost never see. So much glory, so much pain, so much joy, so much sorrow. If we could see the extent of the world's beauty at any given moment, we would be both terrified and captivated, just like Peter, James, and John. If we could see how connected everything is all the time, only to, to watch someone we love be driven off in a blaze of fiery mystery, we would be full of pain, like Elisha. If each person around us at any given time was unmasked as the incredible child of God, the amazing, mysterious, incredible miracle that they are, we would be in constant awe and amazement of every person around us, 
stopping to stare. But inevitably, even if we get these glimpses, as Elisha, Peter, James, and John did, the glow inevitably fades, and things look the same again, only more boring than before. And then we are invited to walk back into regular life, off the mountain, back into civilization, completely changed, and yet appearing utterly normal. Last week, I told you about our dear friend Tom, who died from injuries sustained in a single car accident on a windy, wet mountain road. The night before he died, his family was Zooming with him, and this is what you have to do these days during COVID if you have a loved one in the hospital. You have to Zoom with them. You can't go visit them. You can't be in the room with them. You can't stay with them. So his wife and his two daughters were Zooming with him, talking to him as he laid in his bed, and mostly as they did this, they would spend hours speaking to him and talking to him, and he was completely unresponsive. He had not opened his eyes or responded to them since his accident. Before they said goodbye that night, though, he opened his eyes, looked at them, and smiled. He was dead within hours. They had been euphoric at seeing his eyes again. They were so full of hope that his smile meant that his body was going to be whole again. But instead, they had to go from that experience of high hope into the valley of the shadow of death with broken hearts. Mourning and suffering has become their companions. And yet, when they think of that moment, that transcendent moment of joy, they cannot help but be happy. He said goodbye. Their beloved, their dad was with them one last time, transfigured from his coma for a brief moment to share his love one last time with them. The Celtic Christians called these kinds of times and places thin places, meaning thin places between heaven and earth. Times when we feel like we can touch heaven. Times like the transfiguration. Times when a, literally, a literal fiery chariot comes down out of heaven and, and grabs up someone. But, but, you know, we haven't experienced a fiery chariot. At least I haven't. But, but we have experienced these intense times, these, these thin places. Experience of intensity like the death of a loved one. Or the birth of a loved one or other kinds of intersections with suffering or joy or pain or beauty. A thin place is simply a place when we feel like we could touch heaven. I pray that you have experienced a time like this. I, I would bet that you have. Times when it seems like everything is standing still and all you can do is experience this bigger reality. It could be as simple as something like dancing with your grandma and your niece at a wedding. Or it can be as intense and painful and memorable as kissing your loved one goodbye for the last time. Or it can be as euphoric as seeing the face of that child has been growing inside for 40 weeks and you finally get to see their face. 
These times are intersections with heaven, glimpses of the divine through transfigurations of the mundane. These incredible, mysterious moments are wonderful, but we are always drawn back into normal life again. Just like we go from this Transfiguration Sunday down into the starkness of Ash Wednesday in Lent within just a few hours. Thank goodness, my siblings in Christ, that we do not have to be either or people, but we can always be both and people. God gifts us these moments of transfiguration as bread for the journey. We can store them in our heart, and we can remember them for the times that we need them. We could remember that there is more to everyone and everything than meets the eye, and when we see their ugly monster mask, we can remember that underneath is the glory of God, a miracle created by God's hands. There's so much more to everything than we can imagine, and having this placed in our hearts can give us more grace, more acceptance, and more love to walk into the world. We get to carry these glimpses of the divine with us into the mundane. And we can cherish them and use them as light in the darkness. We can use them as faith to snuff fear. We can hold this wonder in our hearts and remember that all this normal, dull stuff is shiny, shiny somewhere underneath. We just know it. Amen.